0: all right everybody uh welcome to the podcast oh my lord how did i do this again uh we're on episode 24 i believe yeah 24 24 okay good i'm glad someone was paying attention we are on episode 24 we have trajectory arms joining us today we're going to get into that here in a second but first uh, go check out our people over at Brownells. Um, they do sponsor us. So definitely uh there will be a link in the description in the podcast. So you can go check that out. Uh it's uh it's to my Link Tree. Go visit that and then it will help out the podcast and/or my YouTube channel. Um, and then uh Malar from It's Malar Time is joining us also. So he's gonna be asking some questions. And uh we're literally just going to be gun nerding out today. I'm a I'm a big Gun nerd, um, but I am not as skilled as the person oh, we have too. on. I'm not as skilled as the person we have on today. Um, the, the guy that we have on today uh, runs trajectory arms along with, I, I'm believing, I'm going to say her name incorrectly, Brenna. It is Brenna. Yep. Brenna. Okay, sweet. I said it correctly. Um, so, uh, Brenna and him and the other technicians at your shop, I don't know off the top of my head, but um, they build fantastic uh, uppers and rifles and they do all sorts of stuff, great gunsmithing services. Um, they pin and weld stuff. They built my 13.9 Upper with my Sons of Liberty Gunworks barrel. And it's been fantastic. And I know he's going to be mad when I say I've it's literally had a steady diet of 2000 rounds of steel case by now. So uh, <laughs> um, it's a, it's, it's been solid and I love it. Uh, and a lot of people comment and ask me where I did it. So um, I have a YouTube video out on my YouTube channel. Uh, you can go check that out at hoodlums gun bench. Uh, and you can actually look at the trajectory arms upper that he built for me. And we can go through all of that with the, with everything on there. So, um, but Alex, uh, let's, introduce you, you're Alex with Trajectory Arms, and just kind of give us a spiel on kind of how you got started and what made you want to do this.
1: Um, so I started doing this, basically, um, I was doing it in my, my shop in my basement. Um, and it, it really kind of evolved from just me wanting to get an FFL for the sake of um, just for the sake of having one. And then I had also had a interest in, yeah, I had had an interest in um, the AR-15 platform for a while. Um, I think I built my first one, and it's it's been forever. Um, looking back on it, it's like a lot of the stuff I did, I'm I'm completely ashamed. But uh, you know, it's like that's that's really kind of what this has been is an evolution and a, and a learning experience for me. And then over time, I've tried to um, I, I've wanted to kind of give back that information to the people who seek it. Um, and so it's been a, it's, a, it's been this evolution of moving from a hobby to a side hustle to a full time full time gig. And, um, you know, really what I what I try to do with this is. Um, you know in, in my business, it's the easy I call it the easy button. Um, but our, our marketing is essentially trying to put the good information back into the into the ether and allow people uh, give, give people a, a source of reliable information that they can use if they're doing their own builds or uh, you know building for their, their friends and family.
0: Yeah, because no offense, I'm waiting. To, I got a couple more paychecks to pay off my credit card a little bit, but I got a twelve-five that's headed your way very soon. So, <clears throat> <Awesome>. uh, <laughs> uh, my other question is, uh, what uh, what steps did you take um, to become an armorer? Like, what was or an armor or a gunsmith? What uh, what would you consider yourself?
1: Um, I'm an armor. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm an armorer who does gunsmith stuff. <laughs> So if you, um, an armorer is someone who is very specialized in a specific platform. And I think of a gunsmith as more of somebody who's got a a general uh, wide experience, but generally a a gunsmith is going to be more trained in, you know, machine work and and some other things like that. Um, Reeve, for example, he's one of my one of the guys that helps me, he's a, he's a gunsmith. He went to school, uh, Colorado school of trades, and he's very talented and good at what he does. Um, but um, so, so there is a bit of a distinction there. Um, I started out basically looking at the, the guns that I originally built and I thinking, how can I make these better? Um, how can I make them Uh, run smoother? How can I make them more accurate? Whatever that that was at the time. And uh, I started looking for sources of information. Naturally, I started where everybody starts, which is the internet forums um, and Facebook groups. And what I found there was little pieces of good information speckled amongst a whole ton of trash, right? Like it, it's, it's all opinions and it's all uh, a lot of it's nonsense. Gonna say that. Yeah. It's a lot of nonsense and it's really hard to sort out, um, the good from the bad. Um, but if you, if you watch it close enough, you can pick up those little, those little diamonds in the rough and, and catalog that stuff away. And that that's kind of where I started was, Um, picking out these little diamonds and and paying attention to who uh, more than anything, who had an understanding of why behind the information that they were giving out. Um, Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of information that says do this, but there's not a lot of people that understand why. And so that was my, my driving, uh, the, the driving factor behind it was I wanted to know why certain things worked or,
0: or didn't work is this what drove shop talk it is um, can you explain to people what that is by the way because I know probably some of them don't know what it is but I know there's something new that you've put out um, uh, when I when I can free up some more money I'll definitely be joining uh, but <clears throat> um, the the interesting part about that is I've I've watched a lot of your content for a long time on Instagram uh, and I know this is kind of dumb to say it, but you're, pretty in, you're a pretty intelligent person when it comes to building guns, um, specifically the AR-15, AR-10 platform. I'm assuming, I haven't seen, you've done a lot of the, the CAC uh, SR-25 stuff, right?
1: Um, I, I work on night stuff when it comes through, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't, I haven't had a chance to actually go to an armor course um, and that actually goes back to your last question. I have attended several armor courses
0: um, for different platforms, but uh, anyway. Okay. So um, I'll take one more question. I'll let, I'll let uh, Valar answer, ask one, but uh, sorry, man, I, I got super nerdy. I wrote down like 30 things. I don't know if we're going to get to all of them. Hey, as
2: long, <laughs> as long as we don't start talking fire trucks and stuff again.
0: <laughs> I know, right? Don't give you me so that fire route, Then it's over, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want a fire axe still. Uh, so, the other the other thing I was going to ask you with the shop talk thing what what's your main goal behind that? I know you've probably stated I know I actually think I do know you've stated on Instagram. But for the listeners out there, what's your goal like in terms of like helping people or giving people the correct information? What's that goal for shop talk? Because that's a very interesting platform you've got there.
1: Yeah, the goal obviously. Uh, in simple terms, is is to try to give you um, sort of a one-stop location for good information. And obviously, it's a work in progress. We've only launched it uh, about a month ago. Um, so it's evolving with time. That being said, the, the drive behind it. Um, so when I started my Instagram page and I started putting little tidbits out there, uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't very hard to keep up with questions um, but as the business grew and required a lot more of my time uh, on top of you know family time and everything else that that yeah, that i have little pet projects that i would like to to actually get get into production it, you know between all of the different irons in the fire it becomes very difficult to actually support People with their individual questions. And so um, that was not only the shop talk, but the YouTube channel was the idea was to try to try to address the common questions that I get. Um, And that's what the YouTube channel is for, is uh, you know, higher level stuff, how to install
0: a gas block, how to install a muzzle device. Um, Don't get taken but, down because I get I get all the time. Every time I put a screwdriver to something, it's like, oh, you know, we are taking your crap away from you.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Well,
1: and, and that was that was one of the other factors behind Shop Talk is the YouTube channel. We we definitely want to have that stuff as much of it public as we can. But the big platforms censor so much of that. It's very hard to put any reasonably decent information onto youtube or instagram or whatever that platform is so the shop talk is the next evolution of that and there's two things that we we do with that obviously uh the biggest advantage is that i can do videos natively and i don't have to worry about the big platforms terms of service Um, and the other thing with that is uh so our, our doors are open uh, two days a week for people to come and go and, and drop stuff off. And a lot of times people will stay here and hang out. And inevitably, every single one of them is like, hey, this place is awesome. I wish I could hang out here all day. I learn a ton of
0: stuff every time I come. That would be um, me. So I'm so glad I'm not anywhere close to you. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and And so that was kind of the, what I'm trying to address is all of the questions that I just don't have the time to answer. Um, the in-depth material that is hard to really do a formal video on, um, and then get off of the large platforms that, that hate us. And so what happens in shop talk is usually uh, the for the most part, it's, it's, all. if I run into an issue with somebody's work, uh, an opera that I'm building or whatever, um, I just pick up the phone, I throw the tripod out and I start a live video and I'll go through it. So like today we did, I did that little video on Instagram showing the difference between semi-auto and full auto test fire, where with semi-auto it runs, with full auto it doesn't. And so um, I can do a quick video on that on Instagram and most people will, will go, okay, that's cool. But what I can do with the live video is I can actually take that and, and um, start to diagnose and troubleshoot that platform and go, all right, this is why I think it doesn't work. These are the things I'm gonna check. And then I show that process from start to finish. And um, you know, those live videos, maybe 10 minutes, they might be 30 minutes, depending on what's going, but I'm not editing anything. Um, a lot of it's just need jabber jawing, but it's also hopefully providing some excellent content and giving people access to how the sausage is made. That's the term that we use. Um, you know, just trying to show people that this is how certain problems are solved and they, they do require certain tools and sometimes they require specific, uh, means and methods. And, um, that's the things that you can't really, um, you can't really do a video on necessarily because it either turns into it either goes way too long or it's way too technical and people aren't able to to digest it very well. So it's more of a repeated exposure to certain things allows our members to gain to get a better appreciation and knowledge of of how to solve certain things.
0: Now I'm going to let Millar ask the next question but honestly um that was that was cool. I kind of wanted to know more about that mission statement so thank you. I'm going to I'm going to be super nerdy in this whole thing so I'm sorry.
2: you're good you're good. You you know I'm trying not to like pop on with the uh, please diagnosis for me so. <laughs> I know right. Don't worry we didn't
0: make you come here to work.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so how how many just to give an idea because I, I we like kind of breezed over like how big is uh is trajectory how many employees do you have?
1: Um, so I've got a few part time armors currently, um, and then Brenna handles our uh, all of our inbound outbound customer service, and then uh, Todd handles our sales email. So there's a few of us. Um, I'm here full time. And I'm also on the bench for the most of that. Um, but these other guys, these—Brenna uh, is actually my wife. Um, but between Just Brenna and Todd, that. yeah, she, 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 she's the grease that keeps this thing going. Like, um, if you guys knew how hard she works, and some of the, the stuff she has to put up with um i mean she she literally i can
2: imagine people people can be pretty rough especially uh i've done customer service for years
1: yeah Um, by and large our customers are amazing um because they they see what we're doing and they understand and they understand that you know our our methods and processes take time Um, occasionally you just get that random nutsack that it, it, it's like dude just go shoot your gun like it, it, it's it's really hard to explain that's what
2: that's what people tell me all the time
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> putlam's over
2: there laughing because he knows it's true
1: <laughs> yeah it, we, we really do try to be accommodating of, of everybody but there's occasionally you know you get these people and then you know just just the you see their email pop up and you're like oh
0: um, like, I won't sell anything to you <laughs>
1: yeah I don't know it, and like I said the the vast majority of our, our customers are absolutely amazing and they they understand what they're getting into and um, you know we, we really do try to take care of them and, and Brenda does really really well at that she's she's incredible at making sure that um, that people that, that your questions are answered that you have, uh, that you know that when your stuff arrives, that it's safe, that it's checked in. Uh, she gives you updates, all that kind of stuff. She's just been really good at it.
0: So, and then you see a picture of your muzzle device poking through your box because FedEx sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a. Uh, that's honestly, uh, that's she was awesome. I w- I'm going to interrupt you, Millar. In I'm sorry, uh, but she was awesome in the whole process of. Uh, when I sent my gun in um, now I will say if uh, my wife was at home the whole time with me wishing that you would send the gun back so I'd quit complaining that my gun was gone to her because I knew I was if I, I knew I couldn't I couldn't complain to you guys because you guys were taking care of you know one of the most important things so honestly yeah. um, it was a long process but at the same time it, it was it the juice is worth the squeeze. And I don't, I don't really know how else to say, say that, but um, I don't know if I have another gun I trust as much as this one. So it's like, that's, I guess that's my thing is um, you guys do a a really solid job at getting stuff. And I've talked to multiple people. I talked to bunny operator. Um, He sent like like 15 different guns to you uh, i've yeah. talked to i've talked to other people in your in your comment section they're pretty talkative about like what they've sent to you so i mean i wasn't um and this was before i even sent you the email uh, asking you what you did and it was like look I'm, i am a youtube channel i am going to review your stuff but i'm not asking for anything for free like i i want like i wanted to know what you were made of and and have and on, not only talking to other people, but I needed to know that for myself. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now, I've from everything I've got, it's a it's a five star service. But I, uh one of the one things I wanted to ask you here in a minute was um, cost. A lot of people bitch about cost, and oh. I and I I I don't necessarily get it. Um, I realize that things are expensive, but when you're paying for uh, really high quality stuff. What is that on your end? How much do you get people who are like, can you give me a break on this? Can you do stuff like that? Like, do people really do that for you? Or or are you like, no, man, we, we do get a few people who ask. Um, It's,
1: it's not like, I, I want to say at least last time I took a look around, I think we're probably the most expensive shop when it comes to um the cost now now, there may be some other place that i don't know of that i I don't know what they cost but as far as like the cost to assemble an ar-15 most shops will do it for you know 75 bucks for a full gun um our cost is like 300 for a full gun um but they're also
2: they're just slapping it together there too like you're actually Doing a lot more detail to it.
1: Yeah, there that you know that seventy five bucks basically pays for the guy to put the parts together for you. Um, and my my drive in this was really to um, to give people the ability. How do I put this? It it's to give you the.
2: I mean, probably like Hoodlum said, like give you a lot more confidence in your yeah in the product the finished product because yeah i mean 75 bucks like you said they're just slapping it together you're you're checking everything over as you're putting it together
1: right so i mean that 75 bucks it probably takes him 30 to 40 minutes to build that right um i have guns that will take me most of a day at times um and and so it
0: At that point, it only cost you three hundred dollars. At that point,
1: yeah, yeah, and that—that's the thing is, like, there's some of them we literally
0: don't charge enough for. Um, Yeah, I was going to say you probably get a lot of Anderson stuff in, and you're like, "Well, God,
1: (laughs) we we do get
0: most of our stuff
1: is actually pretty good parts. Um, The the biggest challenge that I that I have is getting them to getting the parts to work together so for example i have a gun today that ran really well with the geissele bcg it ran really well with the bcm bcg but he wanted the bcm bolt in the geissele carrier because the bolt had been headspaced to a criterion barrel you know you can buy these bolts headspace to it um but he wanted the the DLC and the stuff that comes on the Geyser carrier. Well, if you do that, when you mix those parts, both of those BCGs are great BCGs, but when you mix them up because of the tolerancing between uh, on one versus the other, it doesn't run. And was that they, the they, full auto test? That was a full auto test. Yeah. Oh, okay. And and so, um, and that was something that we walked through in our, in our shop talk today was um I actually showed how we diagnosed, how we figured out exactly what the problem was. And um, anyway, what it settled down to was that the, uh, you couldn't mix the bolts and still have it test full auto. It would work semi-auto and it it had to do with, you know, the fitment of the the bolt to the carrier. It's just that, that little bit extra blow by inside the carrier was enough to make it run or not. Um, And so those are the types of things that I really struggle with is because our proofing standards are so, so hard to hit. Um, Sometimes these guns are just barely not passing, like runs great, but doesn't lock back on an empty mag. Well, I'm not going to send that out the door until it passes our proofing standards. The proofing standards are set so that the the gun when it goes into the world has the best chance of success and so everything is, is everything up to that point is so that I can hit my proofing standards so that I can guarantee that what I send you has the best possible chance of of success regardless of what conditions you shoot in regardless of your ammo regardless of whatever that, whatever obstacles are thrown your way, um, because people shoot in different conditions. And so I have to, I don't know whether you're a Florida guy and you're going to go shoot in, you know, park city at 7,000 feet. Um, you know, I, there, there is, there are external factors that, um, significantly, significantly affect how the weapon runs so
2: i i was watching i think it was small arms channel Mm -hmm. and i was watching his stuff on uh like buffers and running through like what cult specs were and all of that and i was like you look at the industry so many people have strayed from that and all of that like you said like different elevations different temperatures all of that stuff is going to impact how it runs and i actually i got out i was shooting and it was I don't know, 26 degrees. <laughs> I was out there, and it, it took a few rounds before it act, like things actually started functioning as they should. I was like, and that is why I'm out here at 26 degrees. So I know. I'm just,
0: I'm just gonna get shot when it hits 26 degrees. because I don't even fucking care if my gun <laughs> runs or not. I'm gonna go fucking die. I live in I live in Houston, and if it hits 26 degrees, there's a fucking problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is like um, the you know there's a lot of uh, People cast a lot of shade on on mill spec um, because you know lowest w- there's a bunch of things lowest bitter and and uh, you know whatever there, there's there's a lot of shade cast out of. It's bitter. like the
0: lowest mid to high quality bitter, you know like it's not yeah. it's not garbage. you know you're not getting like look at night's rails, those aren't garbage. That's the, that was the lowest bidder for that. So it's like, you know, and that's just my thing. Like, look at FN, like FN makes, I mean, legendary machine gun barrels. They're the ones that are in the M4s and the 249s and the 240s. Um, So yeah, like, yeah, mil spec isn't always the best, uh, but it's not the worst. Like, look at Anderson.
1: What it is, is the lowest bidder who can hit the standards. And the TDP has a standard for everything. Um, it, it tells you the exact dimensions. It tells you what the coatings are supposed to be, what the materials are supposed to be. Um, you know, it specs out every single aspect of that rifle. Now the problem is when you take it, it's an old design and it works. Um, if you take and go, if you stray from that standard you accept you accept that you are changing that and so um, the reason that those think of it like the um, think of it like the building code for your house if you if you go design a plan around the building code it's it's kind of a crappy house you know your minimum door sizes are not very big you're uh, it, you know, like the, the maximum uh, rise and run of stairs is actually a pretty uncomfortable stairs. So I have a background in construction. So that's why I use this as a, as a,
0: I was going to say, cause I know, I know you're talking about rise and run. I know that means elevation going yeah. upward. I totally know <laughs> what you're talking about, but I don't know.
1: Yeah. You, you can build a very steep set of stairs that are technically within code, but if you have to walk up and down those stairs every day, it sucks um my house is designed you know like the pantry door or and my bathroom for example um i literally can't stand sideways in them i have to walk through them sideways now they are they acceptable by code standards sure but for somebody with wide shoulders like me i don't like running into the door so
0: i thought it was just (laughs) because you had massive balls
1: But my my point is that the the um, the mill spec the TDP, is um, it fits a specific need and if you, you if you hit that standard you will at least have a a, a decent rifle um you know it, you're not gonna you're not gonna fall through the floor <laughs> so to speak right um, but the uh you can go over and above that standard in a lot of ways, and you actually build a very good rifle. But when you do that, when you vary beyond that standard, you have to make sure that um, you are doing your own due diligence when it comes to your design. Um, and the problem with the AR market in general is that there are, there are hundreds of manufacturer, manufacturers making thousands of different parts for that platform, and they aren't talking to each other. And so, um, they don't care if they hit the TDP standards, they care that their gas block fits on their barrel. And if you happen to buy one, you're on your own as far as fitment goes. And so, um, my point is like, when you start mixing, matching stuff or some, some manufacturers don't even do their own stuff internally, it's just all trash, but um, when you start to mix stuff up, you have, um, you, you know, you accept some, some risk there and it, and it can make it pretty difficult to, to make a decent, uh, de- decent, rifle.
0: I'll just say, I love how you said that. Some of them are trash. No, I know exactly what <laughs> you mean. Um, don't go to my early Instagram content. it is awful. Um,
1: <laughs> like I said, the, the first rifle I ever built, I'm, I'm ashamed of that thing, but it was a, it was a good launch point
0: into where I am now, so. I mean, same here. I built a seven and a half inch five five six with a three port comp. So I was like, let's make it super loud. And that's yeah. exactly what I did. Um, yeah. But uh, no, Malar, uh, go ahead. Uh,
2: I was, you know, I was gonna ask you about, um, and I don't know if Hoodlum had this done, um, feed ramp polishing. Do you mm-hmm. do much of that or?
0: Yeah, we do a lot. I was gonna say, you, you posted you posted about it a few times. I didn't have that done. I don't think it needed it, but at the same time, it runs flawless, so i yeah. <laughs> not had an issue there. It, it's it,
1: one of those things where it's one of those little 5% uh, upgrades. Um, you know, you can add little percentages of improvement here or there, and they add up in the end. Uh, will the gun run fine without polish ramps? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Assuming they're, you know, in spec. Um, but it's one of those things that when you, after you do it, you can actually feel the, the reduced friction. Um, and we do like a two stage ramp. So I'm actually taking the, the sharp edges off of the ramp. And so, uh, it goes from, a a coarsely machined mass production part into something that's more of a, uh, kind of a hand fit.
2: And the the two when you're saying two stage, are you talking about like the double step like what Colt does?
1: Yeah, it's very similar.
2: Okay. Cool.
0: Yeah, we're doing I don't know know what Colt Colt does.
2: They 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 do that. They have like uh there's like basically two little ramps. So you got your initial one and then up higher, I think it Mm -hmm. steps up again. Is that correct, Alex? Okay.
1: (laughs) It it just changes angle.
2: Okay.
0: Oh, okay. I was gonna say because isn't uh isn't Colt now made by radical firearms? I, I i don't know i i know that radical um took a lot of manufacturing from colt so now it's if you buy mm-hmm. a colt it's a it's got an r stamp on it and it's that's mm-hmm. where it's made through uh that it's at least nice. that's I what i'm all that <laughs> at least that's what i'm hearing so uh and i've heard a lot of because i was i was looking at buying a 14.5 colt barrel the socom and people were like oh it's made by radical firearms now and it's trash and i'm like but that's not what I'm hearing from other people who've bought them that have the R stamp. So like, I don't know, like there's so much that goes into it. Um, But I, one of the questions that I'm kind of really curious is what did COVID do to you? Like, what did it do to your company? Like what, how was it for parts? Were you having trouble getting stuff out the door, getting stuff in the door? What was your issue with that?
1: 2019, I wanted to be a rifle builder that was where I was headed. I wanted to, I wanted to start putting together my own version of a rifle. Um, I was still doing the, you know, mail-in work like we were, but, uh, or like we do now. And the problem is that you're a little fish competing with very big fish. So, In 2019, I was able to order BCGs, um, the components for them and we were doing some BCGs and I was gonna, that was, you know, one of the check boxes into our rifle that I I wanted to build. And when COVID hit about, uh, it was more like later 2020 after, you know, you have the hysteria in the like May through July and then supply chain tended to, to sort of dry up in August September, and I tried to order six hundred the components for six hundred BCGs from MicroBest, and I was told that it would be about a year before I could get them. And so um, that was that was kind of a shakeup for me. I'm like, all right, well, what do I do? I can't I can't. First of all, I can't like put that amount of money out and then sit on it for a year. I don't have that sort of, as a small company, it's just not impossible.
0: Yeah. That story capital is not easy to come by, especially when you've got people to feed. I mean, not just your family, but you've got employees. So that, that was, that was my, my question because, um, uh, because i look at you know stuff that's that's made in america and i'm just going to i'm going to spitball here and just kind of throw this out there i look at stuff that's like made in america built by people who are americans who you know want to want to feed their families like what the cost is may suck for me but that's helping feed somebody that's helping put food on their table get get their kids to school every day make sure their kids don't go to school hungry stuff like that i mean you you i'm assuming from instagram youtube all that stuff that I've seen, you're, you know, you're in your shop working like what looks to me to be 12 hours a day minimum. Um, All right. (laughs) So, well, and and I mean, I'm going to go off of, you know, I'm an ATM technician. So it's my, I get, I get overtime after five o'clock, you know, stuff like that. You know, you don't have that luxury. Like every day you're running on overtime because businesses are very hard to run. I know that part. Um, I mean, then all that. So, at the same time, I've heard some people be like, oh, it's too expensive. But at the same time, that's the best money you're going to spend. Because, you know, you can take pretty good parts, send it to somebody who knows what the hell they're doing, and have one hell of a rifle. Um, And that's something that I'm like, um, I'm consistently saying, like, you know, COVID hit you hard. Like I want to make sure that there are people out there who may not know about you, who know about you after today, who are going to send stuff to you because I know for a fact what you built me fucking works. And if I've got to drill someone coming into my house to protect my wife and my kid, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick up my rifle. I'm going to blind him with a flashlight and lights out. Like, because I know that Alex at Trajectory Arms, built me a gun that fucking runs and i know that if i'm gonna pull the trigger i'm gonna to have to smoke somebody like th- yeah like that's what i know and i think that everybody i mean everybody in america should have a gun built like that and that's like that's kind of why i wanted to have you on here too is like how did that stuff hit you parts were bad you know you have to go through all that stuff with MicroBest and and other people like that i know they make bulk care groups for like sons of liberty or whoever but um you've you've done really good work so again I apologize for for doting but at the same time like you've I'm glad you made it through COVID like I'm glad that happened I'm glad that you were able to, to continue operating because you you do shit that really works for people and probably brings people home at the end of the day too so yeah and that that was really what we had to do it um you
1: know I September, October of 2020, I'm looking at this and going, all right, I can't get parts. I can't be, I can't build my own rifle if I can't get the parts that I need. So I can either roll over and die, or I can pivot. And that's what I did. And so what I did late 2020 was I I said, hey, look, if I can get you parts, cool, I'll get you whatever I can. Um, you know, and I would stock stuff as it would come available, but it, you know, like thing, that that stuff like late 2020 to early 21. As soon as you put something in stock, it didn't matter what it was; it was gone in 15 minutes. And so it's like, all right, well now, now what I'm doing is like I don't I don't even have stuff on hand to use for repairs. And so what I really did is is leaned into the repair aspect and I said, hey, look, if you want me to build you a rifle, you source the stuff. I'll help you select things for um that that fit your needs. And then and, and I'll try to supplement anything I can, gas blocks, gas tubes, uh my you know, minor parts like that that I am able to get here and there. Um, but I, I just didn't. It, it was, I was not interested in trying to compete with, uh, retailers who have, you know, six digit POs for me to pick up, you know, 10, 20 parts here and there. I was just happy for whatever I could get just to keep people's guns running. And so that was really what I pivoted to was rifle builder to let's just take the bucket of parts and, and make it, make it work. And I'm I'm thankful that we went that way because um, I've learned an incredible amount about what's out there due to just just from that change alone. Right, um, I think it's very easy to to build a product and then you you're you're very narrowly focused because all you see is your product and anything that that surrounds it. And you lose sight of what else is on the market. Um, in the last two years, I've built guns, or at least attempted to, in many cases, from from pretty much every manufacturer out there. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I'm like, hey, this is not going to work just the second the box shows up, right? But um, I've at least seen what certain companies are are putting into the market, and I can hopefully give people. Uh, usable feedback on that stuff, and that and that's driven a lot of the content that I've put out, because I can I can go, hey, look, here's what's working, and here's what's not, um, based off what we're seeing.
0: Do you have any more questions?
2: Me? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we keep talking about BCGs, so you know, I I'm I'm anxious to ask. You have a um, You have a Sons of Liberty bolt that's got thirty five thousand through it I think I saw
1: yeah um that one I picked up so one of the armor courses I went to that actually the first one I went to was Will Larson um I went to his class at Sons of Liberty so I drove from Utah down to down to San Antonio and spent uh, did the two-day course with Will down there and um it was really interesting to be able to see their operation because you know Dylan and and Mike and everybody was around, and so I got to see kind of how their their operation worked as rifle builders. Um, but I was I picked up a few parts while I was there. That was one of the BCGs I picked up um, at the time. And as I've grown, I, I've that thing has been in several rifles. Um, I don't know the exact round count because you know, I know how many rounds I put through my guns on it, but we've also used it as a diagnostic BCG from there. And so it's, it's about 35 K give or take, you know, maybe a thousand rounds. Um, and, and that post is interesting because, um, one of the things that we've found when we, when we dissect, uh, a well-used BCG is a lot of times you have you know, cam pins that are just absolutely hammered. Um, you have firing pins that are doing weird stuff because they're they're just totally getting smashed. Um, that that BCG, aside from some sort of micro cracking that's not detectable, um, you know, that thing is just still running. And the, it, it's the original cam pin. It doesn't have big, big, uh, like ridges and stuff that you can feel with your fingernail it's it's obviously worn but it's not hammered
2: yeah i i've actually got um i have one that i have like 1300 rounds through it um and i've oddly already blown the gas rings out really yeah i reached out to them um and i've been chatting with them for about four weeks um there's -hmm. there's a turnover of customer service and they just I just started with another representative last week. Um, but is there any suggestions you would have for, I guess, somebody in my shoes with uh, kind of the opposite, um, I don't want to say experience, but uh, opposite, uh, I guess, thing with my uh, bolt carrier? Um, or would you just throw gas rings in and call it a day? I guess is the other question.
1: Yeah, so it's not unusual. Well, it's unusual, but it's not necessarily uncommon to kill gas rings pretty early on um, okay. so that anytime you have basically those will tend to lap in uh-huh. um, and and you may have some rough machining in the carrier um, if it if it continues to do it i would look at the rifle itself is it over buffered for example um, The more that you work that carrier, the more that those more like pressure those rings are under, the shorter that life is going to be. So, in other words, like um, a a great example is this I had a guy that brought a gun in that was a 10 5 with a pistol gas. Um, Yeah, it it was like I still have the barrel, he let me keep it. (laughs) because <laughs> we, we we ended up i talked him into a, like just going on 11.5 sons of liberty and he was was it, way a, was it a
0: bear creek arsenal
1: um probably i i don't know many companies that actually <laughs> make that configuration i think bear creek is one of the few that actually yeah makes i was gonna four. say i'd
0: see only one i've ever known that's made a 10.5 with a pistol yeah I, and it wasn't a 300 blackout no it's
1: a 556 five,
0: okay yeah that's so, that's i mean that's probably so that's probably bear creek yeah, so th- this dude fear. had,
1: he, he was bouncing brass off the back of the rail and it was going back in the ejection port. So he was actually getting stove pipes. And so, you know, I'm like, all right, well, let's go over the basics, ejector, extractor, that kind of stuff. Um, and he's like, hey, man, I, I'm on a really tight budget. I don't really want to buy a, buy a barrel if I don't have to. Um, what can you do to make it work? I'm like, all right, well, let's see. Uh, we i threw an h3 buffer at it i threw a a Sprinco red spring originally into it it was still throwing brass at like one o'clock i'm like screw it let's let's do the orange spring let's just see what happens and so this thing had an h3 and a a 308 spring behind it and yeah it was ejecting brass at about three o'clock at that point but by the time i got done test firing which was you know I think we'd put 50 rounds through it at that point. The gas rings were gone. And so, you know, obviously the hot gas from the pistol length system combined with the excessive load that this thing's trying to, to push just to slow it down, um, it just ate the gas rings right away. So I've seen this in the past with, um, you know, over-buffered guns. There seems to be a trend right now to throw these super heavy buffers in the like the A5 super heavy, I think it's like an SH-4 or whatever they call it. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of gas ring life these guys are getting out of these guns.
2: Yeah, right. I mean, what I'm running is a 11 and a half inch with a 2 buffer and a Spring Co white spring. So the standard carbine spring, uh, I am running suppressed. Um, but yeah, I was just surprised that, um, I mean, I, I think I roughly have 1,300 rounds through it. Um, But, I mean, it sounds like you're saying just throw some gas rings in and see if it I, keeps it going. That's
1: the first thing I'd do is just throw some gas rings in it. Maybe set, uh, shine a flashlight in there and see if there's anything that's, like, if it looks really rough, Um, you know, rough machining will will eat up the gas rings. But, um, you know, if... If it eats another set uh, then it's probably worth having them replace that carrier
2: okay it doesn't yeah. seem
1: to me like for an 11.5 an h2 and a white springs not not over
0: buffered okay. yeah, gotta... yeah go ahead i'm
2: sorry i yeah i was gonna say that's what i was i was thinking but um i appreciate your your input on that i i have some other issues going on that honestly i might need to send my upper out uh, and then stop tinkering with it myself <laughs> yeah just send
0: it to him just pay the money send it to him you'll be okay <laughs> like it, it, um go ahead
2: i was gonna say but we're going into hot gun summer come on have them, hot gun you gotta summer have
0: more than one i gun. gotta
2: have well i'm working on the second one, and that was the other <laughs> that was well i mean the second shorty the second shorty okay <laughs> I, that was the other question was uh what, what barrels do you suggest? Um, because I'm still finding, I still feel like we're coming out of that COVID like shortage. So like, I'm looking for an 11.5, something decent. I was looking at uh, uh, Centuron 11.5. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, their HRT barrel, but I haven't seen that thing in stock and I couldn't tell you how long.
1: Yeah. Um... <sighs> When it comes to barrels, I I usually just, I don't want to just be like, yeah, use this barrel. Um, Because there are, it, it really kind of comes down to what kind of firing schedule is that going to see? What sort of accuracy do you need to, you know, like the mission drives the gear. So if you're doing classes every weekend and you're putting a thousand rounds a weekend through that, you're probably going to want something that's uh, that's going to be able to handle the heat and the um, the the schedule of fire that you're going to use. Um, you know, so you're probably going to be looking at cold hammer forged, chrome lined, something along those lines. If if you're a hobby shooter and you need that thing to shoot, you know, honestly, most people are are fine with a, an MOA. Barrel, that's going to be most of your hundred and fifty dollar barrels, which are nitrided, which is your Roscos, um, you know, your your Sons of Liberties. Uh, which, if you're going to get a BA, get a Sons of Liberty because at least it's a they they have a little bit better you see like quality control with them. Um, not to say that BA can't build a good barrel. I'm just saying that the Sons of Liberty is a better
2: well, barrel. They're also, it, they're, they're pre dimpled is my understanding and yeah, pre-dimpled, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're tuned to how Suns wants them.
1: Right. You get a better gas port size. You get a better gas journal, um, pre dimpled, you know, there's, and, and then a lifetime warranty like that. There's some real advantages to them. They are a little bit more expensive, but it, in my opinion, it's worth it. But I had, my, a, I I had a quick that. question about that when you're done. So go ahead. Sure. Um, my, my point is that like in that $150 range, most people are gonna do really well with that. I see a lot of people buying um criterions and, and hodge barrels and stuff, which you know, don't get me wrong, excellent barrels, but are they but they're they're trying to get like these half minute guns, even though they're four-minute shooters. <laughs> and so it's like you can only you can only do so much mechanically before you really just need to go like what what would that like what? A, just a, a bit more range time is really all you need to do go take a class go take some learn the fundamentals and, and that's what i was saying earlier is like you need to go shoot your gun um people get wrapped around the axle trying to make the best gun possible but they don't go shoot the things. And so,
0: you
1: know, it's very frustrating on my end to, to have somebody like nitpick something, which sometimes it's justified. Absolutely. Um, But a lot of times it's like, Hey, you know, you're overthinking this, go take what you've got and put 10,000 rounds on it and then come back to me and let's have another discussion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think mine's north of a 1,000. And to be honest, with the steady diet of Wolf and Tula, <laughs> um, it's only going to last like 2,000 more. Uh, so <laughs> um, and it's a sun's barrel. But my question to you with that was, um, does it void the warranty if you work on the barrel?
1: Um, I don't know. I know okay. that. I, so Sons of Liberty will warranty it, no questions asked. Um, if you have, if you have a Sons barrel that's shot out, um, you can send it here, I'll disassemble it, I'll send the barrel to Sons, and then they'll send it back and I'll reassemble it. I warranty my work. So the, their warranty is nice to have on the barrel aspect of it, but it, it's also, um if you have a pinned gas block or a, a pin and welded muzzle device, I'm taking care of that for you.
0: Oh, okay. So, okay. Cause I have a pinned gas block and a pin and welded muzzle device. Cause that, to be honest, that was honestly like one of my things is, I was kind of going to say, once I shoot through this barrel, I was probably going to send it back to you and have you chop a, a, a cold hammer forge barrel and put it in there because yeah, I, because, well, because it's the gun I want, I want, like I I want to run it how it is like to do that, but that was my question is like because I know a lot of people are like well don't don't do that because then your your Sons of Liberty Gunworks thing is void and I'm like oh, doesn't he work with them like that th- that was my question I, and I've had that from a few people is like if you work on it like you you drill the gas port or, or you drill the gas block and 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 set it in there and you and you pin and weld it they're saying with, with other barrel, barrel manufacturers, the second you touch that barrel, a gunsmith touches the barrel, then it's it's done. Like you, I'm not going to warranty it anymore. So that was but my question. That's, a, that's
1: actually a good point you bring up. It That's part of what drives like um, our little inspection sheets that we do. Um, I have mine sitting right over yeah, there. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody, if someone sends a, a barrel in for a pin and weld, uh, or any barrel work at all for example um, we're gonna go through and do that inspection before we do any permanent changes to the barrel um, and that's exactly why is because some of the Liberty will probably warranty it. Um, in fact I'm I, I guarantee they'll warranty it. Um, I've never had them not warranty one um, but I, that doesn't speak for other manufacturers because, they they're exactly that way hey if if somebody modified this whether that's a pin and weld or whatever
0: yeah BA is that way they I had a I had a 13-7 that was pin and welded and it wasn't shooting and I yeah. sent it to BA and they're like well someone pin and welded it and I was like yeah and they sent me the barrel back they didn't even but they don't even care they were like nope here you go yeah and I was like so oh okay
1: <laughs> that's the drive behind the inspection sheet is because I don't want I don't want to inadvertently void your warranty by pinning your gas block. Now, uh, is that something I should worry about, or should I just take on the pin and welds and just do them? You know, like I suppose I could get away with that, but I, I feel like it. I feel like it adds an additional layer of um, confidence in your gun if. If you don't have to worry about a warranty claim, you know, like so, I I've had barrels with various you know chamber issues, gas port issues. I had a I had a barrel that was missing about an inch and a half of rifling, um, because they it, whatever happened during the the drilling process and right, uh, yeah, I think it was during the drilling process. the The drill had like gone off center, and so the button pulled through and it didn't rifle that one section um and i i caught that before so we were able to send it out to to the manufacturer and have them fix that otherwise if i didn't even bother to look down the bore um it would have had an fsb pin to it it would have had a pin and weld um and it would have had uh polished ramps well you're putting you know, a couple you're putting at that
0: point you're polishing a turn. You
1: put a bunch of money into labor for a bunch of modifications to the barrel, and then it would have never it would have shot, you know, it probably would have keyholed right away. And then it's like, all right, well, who should should the customer have to pay to have that in that stuff reinstalled? Or should I bite the bullet and redo it all for them? The the right answer is solve the problem first, get the bar- barrel fixed, and then do all the stuff. So he's not out the extra wait time. Neither of us is out out time or money, and uh, you know. And then the problem is solved right out the gate.
0: That's pretty interesting, um, because I don't know how much experience you have with this stuff, but when I I went through my armors course in the army, and they showed us that they had got a gun from FN that didn't have fire control group and it didn't have a barrel that had any rifling in it like the like it had gone through like everything to to do all the stuff but apparently that the way the army got that and then they talked to FN apparently FN kind of changed up how they how they did the line on their military plant um because the army was the army was like hey this is only one gun so then fn had to come out and audit like ten thousand firearms Mm -hmm. like so it was it was a pretty big thing so yeah and that's what i'm saying like uh the the attention to detail i guess um is something that i guess sets you apart from a lot of other companies uh and my other question to that being is uh What's the worst thing that bit you in the ass? Like, what's something that you did that you just you completely you screwed up on? If you want to admit it on air, if you don't, I totally get it. But I was about to say, way to throw him on the spot there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I have I have definitely
1: lost my ass on some work in the past. Um, Let's see. (laughs) Well. I can tell you right now I have a, a SIG MCX barrel that needs to be replaced because the threads got cut wrong. And so you can't, you can't get them. They're $600 retail and you can't, they haven't made them in a while. So yeah, they um, make them in batches, right? Yeah. And so on the secondary market, you're looking at 800 to $1,500. And so, um, you know, like that, that kind of stuff happens. I mean, uh, we've had, I had a, a hodge barrel that one of my guys drilled. Uh, we have a, a pinning jig that has, you know, it's just a square jig. And so for whatever, I, I don't know, like you said, pe- people have bad days, things happen. The, the gas block got pinned on sideways and it's like, you know, 300 and, or a Yeah, whatever this barrel was, 350 bucks or something for this barrel. Uh, you know, I gotta eat that. Um and uh, you know, that kind of stuff happens and it happens more the more the more chefs there are in the kitchen. And you know, it's unfortunate when it happens and you try to uh you try to build systems that that um checks and balances. yeah, there, there's checks and balances. And that's the thing is like anything that's touched by human hands has the potential for failure. And so I've made mistakes. My guys have made mistakes. Um, what we try to do when, when that happens, it's like, hey, look, I'm going to come up and be honest with you. We, we dicked up your barrel. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, we're going to find you a new one and, and we're going to make it right. And, uh, you know, and we try to take care of them as best as we possibly can when it happens. Um, and, and, you know, and then we've got some very interesting rules around the shop. It, we might be here for 12 hours a day at times, but we have a very hard rule of no machining after nine o'clock because things like that happen. It's like it doesn't matter what what kind of a hurry you're in, the lathe does not turn on after
0: nine o'clock. Um, you put a child it, safe lock on there or... What's that? Did you put a child safe lock on there? Like at nine o'clock, no, we turn off all the power. No, <laughs> we've,
1: we've, all, we've all seen the 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 re like the reasoning behind that rule, so we all understand it. Um, but it, you know, like we have multiple armor signatures on the inspection sheet because uh, a, ga- a roll pin gets left out of the gas tube, um, or a pin and weld. Yeah, you know, they paid for a pin and weld, and the pin and weld didn't happen, and so. We have multiple armors that that inspect it, um, that you have your build armor, your inspection armor, and then Brenna actually does a once over on it before it gets boxed up. So, um, you know, and and things still slip out, even having three people look
0: at it. Well, yeah, I mean, nobody's perfect and nothing's great. And that's that's the thing is, is that's totally acceptable. Um, I mean, that's, again, with the experience with the FN, that's something that didn't happen before and probably never happened again after that. But at the same time, sometimes some things just get messed up. And there's, I mean, no matter what you try to do to mitigate it, we are not machines, as you said in the beginning, you know, you're never, it's never going to be a hundred percent. Well, the hardest
1: part is that we have I have anywhere between 75 and 120 customer bins here at any given moment. And um, that's a hun- That's an average of a hundred people who have very specific, every single one of those is a custom rifle essentially, right? Like I hate that term when it comes to ARs, but it is, it's, it's uh, you know, a dozen different types of barrels. It's, it's a dozen different types of demands. This guy needs a pin and weld this guy doesn't and so each one of those has a specific a very custom work order and we're not building the same gun all day long and so. um, When you build the same gun it's very easy to build a system that catches errors. Uh, When you build. custom guns. It's very easy to miss or to screw things up. And so that's been our biggest struggle has been to build systems that don't allow those things to happen, even though it's very easy to do that in a custom situation. Sorry,
0: I was on mute. One of the things that I noticed going through your process is that, that the AR is not like a Lego. It's it like you were, I think you even posted about it. Mm-hmm. um but like there are a lot of people who are like oh building ARs is like building Legos and I've I had noticed that just by me building them on my own but at the same time like um what like do you hate it when people say that like is that is that like something that you're like like stop saying that because that's not not necessarily true because at the same time like I think yeah you can plug and play a lot of parts but at the same time like if you want a really good rifle, it's really not like legos so it's a very specific um, d- instrument set i guess you know
2: because to- in- on legos are pretty tight when you clip them together <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, i did do a post about that you,
1: your tolerance window on legos is like 2 10000s or something per block and i i've even measured stuff that like from my legos from the 90s compared to a set that my son i bought for my son a couple you know a couple weeks before that um, but it, he was mad he didn't have his legos Nah, he's got a ton of them but um nothing really bothers me that, that's what's hilarious is i'll get tagged in comments and stuff on instagram hey i'm doing this because i know it's gonna bug ta it's like it doesn't bug me you can do whatever you want to your rifle like that that's one of the things like the biggest message that i could put out there is that um, your, your ego and your, um, your, your pride in your naivety. Is that how I say it?
0: Na- Na- naivety. naivety. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like you don't know what you don't know. Right. And if you're too prideful to accept that there are things that you don't know, um, you're only doing yourself a disservice. And so when people get into these, these fights of, you know this brand versus this brand or or this practice versus another um they're only doing themselves a disservice and and that's probably like if i'm gonna pat myself on the back over anything um it, it's the it's that i try to always be learning <clears throat> i try to um I, I try to whatever that whatever the, the concept is, I try to take that in and go, all right, is this is this correct or not based off of what I know? And if it isn't uh, or or if there if that doesn't drive with what I know, then let's experiment with it. Um, let's go test it. And I don't remember. I, I, I think it was uh, Warner Von Braun or something that he said that uh, a single test is worth a dozen opinions or something like that
0: Um, rocket Nazi
1: yeah yeah rocket Nazi Uh, but but the 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 uh, wisdom is is still valid right Um, there there's a million a lot of bad things about the Germans but they're very precise (laughs) (laughs) there's a there's a lot of opinions on how to do things or or whatever like we discussed and um, if people go out and actually try to objectively test those theories, they might find most of them fall apart. And so, um, like I said, I, I try to, um, I, I, I genuinely try. And I, I'm, I, there's been a lot of times I trip over myself as well. Like my ego gets in the way, just like anybody else. But if you can, if, if you can accept that there are things that you don't know, then the world opens up to you. And people will give you information because they they don't feel like they're you're gonna fight them on it. Right? Like I'm much more voted, much more motivated to teach somebody who's willing to learn versus somebody who I know is gonna fight me on everything.
2: I feel like this is a good bridge into are you offering armors courses or anything yet? Or do you intend to?
1: Um like in-person courses, I don't have any plans for that. Uh, I think that the YouTube channel and Shop Talk are, are going to be my focus for the next little while. Um, there, are, there are some excellent people doing courses right now that, um, and, and they travel, like Mike Mahalsey's class, he travels all over the country. And so you don't have to take and, and pick up and, and travel across the country to go to his class just get on the schedule and, and figure out when the next local one's going to be. Even if you have to travel 100 miles or something, it, it's worth going to that class because it will it will at least, if nothing else, show you what you don't know. And so you can take and supplement that through other sources. And, and that's one thing that with Shop Talk that I'm very clear about, that it's not intended to be an armor course. It's not intended to... Um, to take the place of in-person instruction, it's meant to further supplement um, those classes and and help you build and maintain the information that you might gain in one of those.
0: I'm, I'm now sure you're you want to go home. I know you don't want to be here <laughs> all night with us. So, um, my my I got a, two more quick questions for you, and I'll let i let Malar ask some of you. Um, but I want to know what are some of your favorite like rifle accessories not like building out a rifle but like like optics mounts lights foregrips buttstocks like what would be some of like the favorite things that you're going to put on your rifle or air pistol if you were to make one even though you have an sot you don't really have to make ar pistols so like what's what is what are some of those things uh i like silencers (laughs) okay that's
1: a good one um not not just because i like Basically, I like—I don't know—shooting unsuppressed is so uncivilized. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, silencers are, are a big factor for me. I really enjoy uh, playing with silencers. Um, that being said, a rifle is not complete until it has an optic and a light and a sling. Um, iron sights are fine, but an optic is is an excellent force multiplier. Um, you can't shoot what you can't identify. And if the, if the world is dark for half of the day, you need a light. Um, and then slings are more than just something to hang your rifle on. Like if you have to go hands-on with somebody, they can take your rifle away as, especially if they're bigger, but if you have a sling, you have an extra hand on that rifle. So all of those things, like, uh, along with the additional benefits of having a sling like stability and whatever, um, an optic, a light and a sling, in my opinion are the three accessories that every defensive
0: rifle should have. Mm -hmm. But what I, I don't know, maybe you're avoiding the question tactfully, but, um, like what, like, like give us, give us a hint. What's your favorite light? Like, do you like surefire cloud defensive? Like what's your go-to? if you're going to put something on your gun.
1: It that's really kind of subjective. And that, and that's the thing is like it's hard to it's hard to break that down for people because people are different sizes, they're different hand sizes, they're different you know like when it comes to that stuff and how you configure it, there isn't a isn't there there are some correct ways of doing things, but by and large your button placement is a personal matter. Um mm-hmm. your what light you use is depends on like what environment you're using it in. Um, I run a shirt uh, or a mod light OKW uh on a surefire body on I a got with three a, of them so yeah exactly like my my setup fits my purpose and it fits me. Um, the like I know there's a lot of hate around hollow sun and stuff. I run a, I don't know which one it is, but I put it on a reptilian mount because the extruded mounts are, are terrible on the hollow suns, but the optic itself. Um, I, I know some people that have legitimately just like, just
0: like beat
1: on those things and they hold up.
0: And so I've got, I've got two that I don't know how they have lasted as long. <laughs> I, I am literally sitting there. I'm like, Jesus, I've done some fucked up shit to you guys. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> You know, it's like if you're not comfortable running those optics,
1: I I also understand that. Like, go buy a T2 or a, a whatever fits. You know, like I get asked this a
0: lot. Like, how should I configure? You know, should I do? I hope that's not where you thought my question was going. I no, just want
1: to. I'm just trying to give you some context where it's like I can't I can't answer certain questions for people. I can give you some guidelines on where <laughs> to start. But until, like the best thing you can do is try something, go borrow some gear if you have to, and then go take a class that forces you to um, reconsider where you've put it. Because you're going to mount all of this shit to your gun and you're going to think you have it figured out. And then you're going to go to a class or a low light class. Um, for example, they, they just did a, a Chuck Pressburg night vision class here and um I didn't go through it personally but a friend of mine went through it and he's like dude I I have to completely reconsider all my layout on everything because I couldn't find my buttons I struggled with this and that and and it's like um you know you have to you have to go and stress that system
0: and- that's another thing I don't show it a lot on my channel or really talk about it but I put all my stuff through kind of like my own little thing. Like I, and I do that in, you know, in the middle of the night, like I'll wander around my house. Like when no one's home, I just wander around and I shine my flashlight on things. And I try to like figure out the best way to go around a corner. and I know I look like a complete idiot. If someone were to look at me when I'm doing it, but I know in that sense, uh, you know, what I'm trying to test out, like, does this work for me? Like if I lay prone and I, I have because I just have my push button on my light. If I lay prone and I'm trying to shoot prone and I need to use my light, am I going to be able to reach my arm up there and get it? Am I going to be able to do like things, things that you wouldn't necessarily think about, but like I have notes, like I have books of shit that I just write notes in. Like if I get a new gun, what do I need to know about this new gun? Am I going to be able to use it? in this certain situation, is it good for me this way? Does it work if I do this? Like, that's a lot of things that I don't think people necessarily understand. And it's something, it's stuff that I'm not necessarily comfortable with with sharing because I it, I don't feel like I've proofed that out enough to give it to other people. Plus what works for me may not work for everybody else. Like there may be a guy that doesn't want to wander around his house with his rifle because he's got little kids and he's afraid he's going to accidentally dome one of them, you know, like things like that. But at the same time, I, I, I totally understand. Yeah. Everybody has their own own way of doing things. So again, yeah.
1: that's really what the classes are good for and and that's the thing is like people i've been kind of people kind of assign this like oh you you must you know how to fix the gun you must know how to run it like no no i'm the mechanic (laughs) and there are race car drivers out there who are very good at how you know explaining where to put the seat (laughs) you know like You should, you should probably scoot your seat up and you should wear these shoes and you should wear, like, I I know how the engine works, but there are a lot better people who have more experience shooting people that can explain like where and how to mount certain accessories that are going to be most beneficial to you. Um, and so like from a technical aspect, yeah, I can say, hey this this light or this optic might be ideal for your situation. but in the deployment of that stuff, I try to defer to good instructors whenever I can um,
0: because it's just not my lane. Oh, that's to be 100% honest, I'm a really shitty race car driver and a really shitty mechanic. So I'm, <laughs> I'm like right in the middle of both of those. So yeah. it's like, um, I, that's another thing, like, you had that analogy spot on. And the reason why I do what I do is because I necessarily can't always afford classes. I've got shit, I have got bills to pay, and I've got people to make sure that they're fed. So, you know, classes for me every other weekend isn't something I can do. I really, I really, really, really want to take a low light class. But apparently, no one does a low light class in Houston, Texas. And I have looked everywhere. And people are like, oh, well, this guy does low light class. Every in place but where I live is where they do a low light class. So it's like, <laughs> and I can't necessarily sit here and afford with gas at $5 a gallon to go driving everywhere, doing all that stuff. So, you know, I have my own way of proofing stuff out. Granted, it is not bomb proof. Like I have found deficiencies in a lot of some of the, in, in a lot of the stuff that I do. Um, but yeah, you're right. Light, optic. I mean, definitely optic. I personally am impartial to Aimpoint, but Millar loves EOTechs. Um and you know it's a it's a thing um, I love aimpoint because that's what I ran when I was in the Army we had the aimpoint CCO um, and that's what I love but there are other dudes who ran EOtechs in the Army. I never even saw an EOtech in the army like <laughs> you know so it's all it's all different things like that. Were you ever in the military by the way? Uh, no I wasn't okay I was gonna say you strike me as somebody who's very stoic looking um, but the uh, the thing is, is like, and that's another thing I try to tell people. I spent some time in the army. That does not make me an expert on a fucking thing. Like I hate it when I see dudes come out and they're like, "Oh, I'm an expert on this," and I'm like, "Shut up!" Like, <laughs> like just because you spent some time in the military doesn't mean you're any good at anything. <laughs> you can take orders and run around and get yelled at like everybody else in the military. So like, I have a pretty
1: good like bullshit meter. Mm-hmm. So most most of the time, like most of the guys that come up to me and they're like, Hey, I did X, Y, Z military, whatever, you, you know, like my first, my first thought is bullshit. Um, but like, you can kind of tell the guys that are, that are walking the walk, you know, like they have a, you, you can tell that it might be worth pay atten- paying attention to this guy a little bit more and it's, and it's, uh, you can sniff it out in a lot of ways. The, usually the, the louder, yeah, the, the louder ones there are usually, um, you know, unless somebody can vouch for them and vet that guy, um, usually the, the, the guy that's chirping about his, his background is, I don't have a lot of time for it. So. Mm-hmm. I want to
0: see what he has to say before I listen to his resume. That's exactly why I just review products as like the everyday human. Like I'm not, I'm not bringing that to the table, which is another reason why I really like Malar stuff. Like he's, he, he looks at stuff very analytically. I mean, if you ever talk to Malar, I feel sorry for you because I've got to talk to him all the time, and he will ask me the same damn question thirteen different ways, <laughs> and I'm like, it's the same answer. <laughs> so, so, Alex,
2: uh, my occupation is a quality auditor. Oh. <laughs> so I am very analytical, and a lot of the stuff that we're like, you're running through, I can I can relate to like thought processes and your your shop talk and all of that, and being able to go through and look at what the steps where I can hundred percent relate to that because that is mentally how I'm functioning. Like same as you day to day on how I'm looking at things.
0: Yeah. I can't do that. I have too much ADHD uh, for that. Like way too much.
2: <laughs> get it. That's that's like that. My OCD kicks in though. Then like, I mean that, that upper that I'm trying to trouble troubleshoot. I'm like, I'm stuck on that every day now. I'm like, well, what do I, what do I need to do?
0: I think when he, I when think am he, I getting
2: to the range next? <laughs> it's I think I he finally this. stopped
0: asking me questions because I stopped answering because I'm like, I don't know, man. I have no, no idea we, at this point. <laughs> I mean,
2: I mean, I mean we, we said to do the uh, the gas tube. So uh, yeah, w- what's going on? I'll give a brief summary. No need to troubleshoot it. <laughs> but I have particular mags. Um, they There happen to be the Brownells ones. If I run those mags, I'm getting symptoms that are uh that of like a short stroke so the bolts coming forward and riding on over the like the top of the round like it's half extracting it going on on top of it but if i run dura mags it it runs perfectly fine and it's not every round it's sporadic so like i can go through if i have 28 rounds in the mag i might have one that has an issue or i've had some times where it's just one after another, like I'll shoot 10 rounds. And then next thing you know, it's just continual uh, the whole way through. So I don't know what it is, but it appears I, we changed out buffer spring, tried that, but I think I've nailed it down to, it's got to be upper related and probably uh, due to the gas. That is also the gun that has the blown out gas rings, but I did stick another Sons of Liberty gun uh, works BCG in there with good gas rings. uh, And it still did the same thing. So I'm Pin down to it is gas system related.
0: I agree um, with him.
1: Yeah, I mean it. it can be um, the interesting thing with magazines, and I, I'm not sure I'm familiar with the particular ones that you you were working
0: with. They're made um, by Sherfy sure Yeah,
2: the uh, the like Brownells ones are the uh, and it's the. I'm not sure how much public knowledge it's supposed to be. I'm not sure how much I can say, but I have heard it's from pretty
0: it's, okay. Like everyone I talk to knows about it.
2: Oh, okay, so the brown ones are okay industries. They have two manufacturers. One of them is okay industries. Okay. I have analyzed the ones that I have down to like the the way that it's stamped that I can tell you these are okay industries because the creases and everything align with my okay industries ones.
0: Well, my, so, two, my two tan ones that just came in, they both say okay on, right,
2: on the right. The, the tan ones are... 100 percent okay industries because if you actually go on the brown else page it calls out the manufacturer code as okay and then the numbers but the gray mm-hmm. ones they don't they don't call it out that way because it can be two to, it could be either manufacturer
1: okay um yeah i mean if 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 it seems to be quality mags um i mean I, it's hard to troubleshoot things remotely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially for someone like me who's hands on because I can look at something and go, yeah, that's the problem. But when I'm trying to do it remotely, I'm like, uh, it, it could be this and that, you know, cause there's, there's usually a process of, of troubleshooting, which is, you know, try this and see what result you get and then yeah. try this test and then see what result you get. So um, oh, I fucking hit my, <laughs>
2: um yeah i mean a hundred percent and that, that's kind of what i was doing at, out at the range uh buddy had given me his buffer spring um i tested that out and was still getting the same results and that's when we narrowed it down to um it had to be something else and i think that might have been the range trip that i realized the gas rings were blown out so then the next range trip i i brought my other bolt carrier tried that And that's where now I'm like, okay, well, if it's not that. And my friend also commented that the ejection at one point literally looked like it was just dumping out the side, like it wasn't actually coming, it wasn't coming back and like off of the deflector, it was just dumping out the side. So Mm. to me, it seems, um, and again, I don't want to be on
0: here troubleshooting this. I had that on a Roscoe barrel and I literally had a piece of jacket stuck in the gas port.
2: Well, I mean, yep. this is a, this is a Roscoe barrel. So you got me nervous because you mentioned the, the undersized gas port. Now you got me out here. Like, and you just tore it down and pulled that out.
0: Yeah. I literally like, it was their three gun barrel. It was a the very limited run. They did. I yeah. opened it up cause I was literally like was shooting fine, shooting fine, shooting fine. And then bam, like, nothing like it was just it was like like the cases were just like falling out the side and i was like what the and the recoil impulse changed it was very weird so i was i was trying everything finally i just took it apart and i looked at it and i looked in the gas port and there was just this spiky piece of metal coming out of there and i just pulled it out and it was just a piece of jacket that got stuck in there and i don't know i don't know like i have no idea how that happened does that is that a common problem um
1: i wouldn't say it's super common I, i've definitely seen clogged gas ports before
2: i was going to ask um, about that too and whether running suppressed
1: because
2: this is uh i've been running suppressed i guess two years but i'm still like what i would consider fairly new to it do you do people run into that where your gas ports get gunked up from carbon more running suppressed i guess than a normal uh, i would say that
0: it's kind of a self-cleaning system,
1: right? Yeah, it's you're you're gonna see more gas port erosion than you will more gas port clogging. Um, because if you think about what's going on in that little tiny port, there's there's a lot of anger going through that port. Um I do too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's a it's a pretty like it erodes like we do those we do those, uh, stainless steel inserts to, to help tune for suppressors and stuff. And, and, um, you know, it, it erodes, it eats the steel.
0: Uh, do do those go pretty quickly?
1: Uh, it, it's really highly dependent on firing schedule and everything. So like I'd say probably an average of 10,000 rounds, it is a wear item. You You have to be aware of that, but it's, Um, you know, if you're burning this thing down in full auto, you're going to eat those inserts up pretty quick. Um, it also depends on how, like what the original gas port size was. Um, if it's a really oversized gas port and we're doing most of the restriction with the insert, you're (laughs) going to probably eat those inserts up pretty quick. Um, if, if all we're doing is knocking it down a couple thousandths to, to just kind of take the edge off of something that's already there that one's and it's like a mid gas um it's probably going to last pretty long um stainless steel itself doesn't erode like do the do the like that mechanism it erodes with friction yeah it's it's pretty heat resistant like it doesn't doesn't torch very torch away very easily
0: now uh, now, granted i'm a i would consider myself a pretty high round count like my my average range time like is probably 250 to 350 rounds at the range i usually dump that i spend a shitload of money on my ammo uh and my wife probably wants to divorce me for that but at the same time um a lot of it is like gathering content trying to trying to get that out but uh what like for someone who shoots often for someone like, I mean, if you're if you're running all the time, if you're shooting often, what are some of the things that you would say besides like don't shoot steel case ammo like me? Um, what are some of the things you would say to like do to, to maintain the longevity of your of your guns? Um
1: I mean having it built really well and balanced is a great first step um, because when the system is out of balance, you have to compensate with something. Uh, sometimes (laughs) that compensation is in the form of gas rings. Sometimes (laughs) that I was about to say, yeah, sometimes it's, uh, bolt lugs, sometimes it's cam pins. Um, so making sure that that system is, is well built and designed to begin with is a, is a great way that I, I attribute that long lifespan part of the, partially of that Sons of Liberty BCG to just being ran in well-built rifles. Um,
0: Did you hear the, that alarm? It's called your shitty builder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, my,
2: my gun still runs with that carrier. Like it still runs. Yeah. It's just the, the rings. If you do the test, the rings are blown out. So yeah that that's another thing that points me in my troubleshooting that I, I got some gas, gas system related outside of that.
1: Possible. That's possible. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is like, most people don't run enough lube. Um, so like, it, and and lubricant <laughs> is another, it, that's, that's a, a very tribal thing and it's a rabbit hole as well. Can, can you run too much? no uh, well it depends on what it is if it's if you're running a grease yeah you can you can actually bog the system down Whoops. uh you can you can't run enough oil to, in it because it just blows the excessive oil out um
0: i was gonna say it, you could just douse it in oil
1: i mean that's you not... can literally dunk the thing in oil and the system will blow the oil out like it doesn't care um but if you're using like a really heavy grease and you're using a ton of it you'll actually add some resistance to that system
2: i'm running i'm running the Sotaracha. okay <laughs> it's i cool. mean i i haven't uh i've been using it for a little bit now and it's been working well but now you know i got these issues so i don't know maybe it's related i don't know my my
0: thing is is i only put grease on a charging handle where it makes contact like, I literally only put it, like, up there, like, on the chart where it makes contact, because I feel like it's smoother through there if I have grease in there. I mean, I run oil on it sometimes. Like, sometimes I oil it. Um, but at the same time, like, I You're also suck at cleaning guns. Like, I am not, I I hate cleaning, like, I made a YouTube video about cleaning guns, and I hadn't cleaned my guns for, like, a year before that. So, I, <laughs> like, I don't necessarily clean them all the time. I know I probably should. Like if I if I have a pretty heavy firing schedule, I'll blow some shit down the bore. But um, other than that, like how how important is cleaning your rifle? I guess is what I should ask.
1: <laughs> so funny, I did a, a YouTube short on this after our last range day. I, I, uh, I as like, I I I titled it "How to Clean Your AR-15." Mm-hmm. And it was me just literally just squirting slip 2000 into the action.
2: Oh, okay. And okay. had so a couple of
1: people that were like, what the hell? That's not, that's exactly how you don't clean your iPhone. Like, <laughs> that's the point. Like there, there's some satire here. Um, I, I, There isn't an advantage to letting it get, there's no reason to let it get absolutely filthy. Um, you know, so like, every couple thousand rounds maybe go wipe it down with a sock or something and just kind of get the schmoo out of it but the white glove cleaning is not necessary yeah Um, i hated that in the
0: military that was the
1: it's literally like just to keep grunts busy like that that's pretty much the only reason they do it is discipline was not um, (laughs) it, it keeps people busy like it's not a there isn't so um chad mercer did an article on primary and secondary on their website you can find it it's i think it's titled um experience matters or something like that and he uh he was doing um i forget the name of the place that he was working for at the time but it was uh they were they were it's a military depot essentially. Um, and they were, they were servicing rifles. And so they were seeing, you know, what broke and what didn't. And, and what they found was that over that the rifles that were cleaned the best that, that got the white glove treatment were actually wearing out faster than the ones that were not. Um, and so it, that's because all of the the scraping and stuff like that, you're actually doing more damage to the system than just leaving the gunk in there and keeping it wet. Um, so like one of the reasons I still run slip 2000 is number one, I'm not in like, uh, it, it, it's never let me down in hot or cold weather. Um, and number two is because, uh, I can, I can continue to just spray that stuff on and keep it clean and it will it it just blows the gunk out right I never have a large buildup of stuff in my system Um, if you look at the the surfaces that actually matter so the contact points on the carrier um, it doesn't matter what coatings on that eventually those wear off Um, and then the rest of it is a non-critical surface and so that's where the buildup happens is the non-critical surfaces and so if you're constantly scraping those all you're doing is you're usually scraping all the surfaces and so you're adding wear to the system that doesn't need to be there um, the system by and large is self-cleaning to a point right you're not it's not cleaning but it if you're keeping it wet it does tend to blow a lot of that junk out just by the nature of the the action
0: okay that's very interesting um <clears throat> yeah no i thought i was i thought i was like the worst person on the internet because like people i hear people are like oh no every time i go to the range i clean my guns and i'm like i just put them back in the safe like <laughs> i didn't
1: know for <laughs> funny is like that you know everybody gets wrapped around this this like oh i need to have Uh, a easy to clean bcg so they'll get dlc or nickel boron or whatever nitride because they want it to be easy to clean i don't have a big chunk of carbon stuck to my bcgs because i'm they're wet constantly they're always soaked in uh slip 2000 which tends to keep that buildup
0: off yeah i just i just kind of spray some REM oil on mine shove it back in there wet like it's fine <laughs> so that that's
1: really like if you look at like the sotaracha and the, the grease um mentality then that that is designed to keep the stuff away it, it, they they call it um like a barrier of grease or something like that mm-hmm. uh, essentially they're trying to keep the the contaminants out and build the sort of a little uh pillow of grease that that the components work in um and that's certainly one way of going about it Uh, or the other way is you're constantly bathing that thing in oil and so it number one it can't stick and number two it's so loose and runny that it's it's taking material out and cleaning itself as it goes so what i i don't i don't I'm not interested in getting into an argument on whether one's better than the other. I don't care.
0: Uh, all I care is that people are lubing their, their weapon. My question to you is, do you care about motor oil? Because f- sometimes I literally just throw motor oil on it. Like I've got um, a thing of Royal purple right there. I just, well, I some sometimes I literally just dunk the bolt in motor oil and put it back in there. I'm like, fine, it works. Yeah, It's never let me down. But at the same time, like, I don't know, like some people are like, why would you do that? It, it takes a shitload of heat. I like, want to oh, know if Alex understand.
2: was expecting these questions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I will give you, uh,
1: like I said, I don't care what people do with their guns. I, I have way more important things to worry about than what, like
0: what you dunk your rifle in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was, my question is, is like, have you seen that with anybody else? Is, I guess I my question. Motor oil is a very common lubricant. Um, okay. It, I don't do it
1: personally for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, I, I'm a believer in application specific solutions. In other words- That makes sense. Um, it, it's the same thing that you can have with, you know, this barrel fits this shooter's situation and this barrel fits someone else's when it comes to lubricants um, an oil that's meant to be in a filtered closed system is probably not ideal for an open system that is unfiltered Um, and so there are um, now this goes this goes beyond my expertise Um, but the claim is that there is There are you can have some uh, less favorable health benefits from breathing the aerosol aerosolized
0: um, motor oil. Oh, and Um, I'm left-handed, so that's gonna screw me over even more.
1: Yeah, and so and then you add a suppressor, and now you're eating a lot of that. Um, Again, it's not my lane. I'm not a physician. I (laughs) hmm. Um, I do know that, like, in your gun physician. yeah, this is the reason I run slip 2000 is because it's non-toxic. Um, sure. It's a CLP. Um, sure. Shooting guns exposes you to a lot of things that you probably don't want to breathe. Um, but I also don't want that stuff shooting right into my face. Um, if I shoot a gun and I've got lubricant on my face because I just, and it happens, uh, no matter what you use it, you're, you're going to catch a little bit of splatter when you freshly squeeze some stuff in there. Um, I would prefer that whatever's hitting me in, in the face is non-top,
0: non-toxic. Being left-handed, I get hit in the face with lubricant all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't
2: anyway. think I've experienced that
0: no I don't think you're wet enough sir <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, trust me I my my stuff is pretty uh pretty lube normally but I definitely yeah. don't get sprayed like that. that's
1: one of the arguments to the to the grease is that it's thick so you're not it's not aerosolizing it so again I, I don't really like I have my reasons for running what I do and I know that it's worked really well um One thing that I can say is that it's very like on the civilian market, there are very few people who shoot enough to wear lubrication. Like, um, let me clarify where a reduction in wear is an issue. Um, Cam pins are going to wear out more toward like, like BCGs wear out more due due to, um imbalanced systems than they do from just general use um i've seen worn out upper receivers where there's tracks from the carriers those receivers have hundreds of thousands of rounds on them because they came off of a machine gun range in vegas um you know like and they are lubricated they got lubed every time they shot like um And the lubricant didn't do anything for it. But like Mm -hmm. I I would say wear-induced failures are probably less of a lubrication issue than they are a a system issue. And so the lubricant serves one purpose for me. It's to keep that thing moving. Um, Because there are plenty of failures from dry guns.
0: So I just want lube because I want that thing to stay moving. That's about it. And I, I totally so like you don't believe in like the nickel boron the stuff like that. You're not a big fan of Nibex,
1: not really. Um, I I don't think I, I don't see a benefit to it because number one I don't like if I'm using enough of that slip 2000, it's it's a one wipe clean anyway <laughs> because the there's nothing carboned on it just wipes right off. With a, yeah. with a microfiber so why would i throw another coating at it if if i don't need it if, if i'm mean, not trying to get that super clean to begin with now there, like- are, there are advantages in um as far as like reducing friction in the system um a, a brand new phosphate bcg can run pretty slow for the first couple hundred rounds until it laps together uh that's less of an issue with say nitrite or nickel or whatever mm-hmm. but it, it, it's um again just throw some lube at it and run it
0: all right my my last question is uh since you brought it up with bulk groups um what about chrome because i like chrome specifically due to the fact that i like the i like The shininess, shiny. I'm attracted to the shiny things. Bling bling. Also, yeah, and then, uh, but I've I heard I like I know like with the AR that was like the original coating that they put on there. That was what they that was what Eugene Stoner kind of had it designed it to do. I think Chrome is good. Kind of where I'm at, specifically due to the fact that it does help minimize rust. Um, But at the same time, like. What are as an as an armor who sees guns every single day? What is your thought about that?
1: I don't really have a problem with chrome. Um, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily see. Uh, well, let, let's put it this way: it's it's kind of up to you whether the juice is worth the squeeze. Um, I don't, I don't really see a, if I was going to vent very off of the phosphated carrier, it would be probably NP3. Um, maybe DLC, but that one's yet to be seen. Uh, I, I haven't formed an opinion on that one yet. That's and like then, a Geisling carrier, right? Yeah. Um, I've seen DLC kind of flake off. And so that's what's most concerning to me. Um, not, not really Geisley, but other manufacturers who've had it done, I've I've seen some issues with it, but um, I I don't, I think it's, I think the argument on carrier on on BCG coatings,
0: it's nitpicking. Um, to to be honest that's kind of what i I feel like somebody was like oh we have chrome we have phosphate oh look at this new wonder thing we put on there and then look at this other new wonder thing it's like there's a bunch of wonder bcgs out there and they all claim to do something but it's like i say this because i got a sons of liberty gunworks Bolt care group and ran it and it was like there's no problem here like this thing just works you know and I think yeah. that goes to the thing because I've I've had Chrome, I have nickel boron, I have nitride, I have all that. But the the Sons of Liberty gun works phosphate one. I shoot it, it works, it runs fine. So like, that's the thing. I love Chrome because it's shiny. But at the same time, why did people come up with all this stuff? I guess
1: I there the reason the coatings are. Um, Such a hot topic is because they're able to cover up the failures in the rest of the carrier or the BCG with here's our fancy coating. Okay. You can take a total pile of shit and coat that thing in gold and it's still gold plated shit. Um, you, so like in, in, in practicality, I see a lot of people that, that have, um, they they will take like I've seen I've seen companies take a perfectly good BCG and go and blast it down to bare metal and send it out for DLC. And in doing so, they throw off the tolerances of the fitment of everything. Or they'll send it out for nickel boron and it comes back and now everything is oversized because that stuff builds. And so um, you know, you'll have a bolt and a carrier that you you literally have to like yank apart. Because the fitment's so tight, um, so like they'll screw up the the tolerances of a system by trying to do these these coatings, and they don't they don't figure it in as part of the system. Um, if you look at like Psyonix's, uh NP three, I can measure that. Those are objectively some of the best BCGs available, hands down. They are the most consistently uh, most consistent BCGs that I see. Like if I see an, a psionics BCG, I can put money on that thing being in good shape. Um, and they hold tighter tolerances than other companies do. Uh, they're, you know, you're, you're looking at a t- Like if I were to build a BCG, it would be a psionics BCG. A- and so, um, if they want to if they want to throw nickel or np3 on top of that um, by all means great that that's an added feature but the core bcg is already excellent and when they're doing their nickel boron, their, their, sorry their it's not nickel boron it's np3 nickel teflon their their dimensions of their raw components are adjusted so that when they apply the coating the finished dimensions are correct. It's Mm -hmm. not somebody blasting carrier, adding a thing, uh, a coating to it, and then marketing the coating as a sales point.
0: Interesting. That's actually actually pretty cool. Um, Which by the way, um, you should totally build uppers because I'll buy them. I'd probably just buy all of them.
1: We have our, our TASD, which has been fairly low key. We haven't really talked about it much yet, but it's that our integrally suppressed upper that's um, we're working through some, some hurdles on the production side of it, but I'm excited for those. I guess I should file
0: my paperwork here for my SOT. (laughs) See if I can run that. No, oh, uh, I don't have any more questions or I don't want to ask you any more questions. We've been at this for two hours and 11 minutes so far. So um, anything from you more?
2: The only thing I was going to throw out there was just to kind of, um, uh, I guess, give people an idea of like what the normal turnaround time is, what I don't know, like um, might be different situationally, but what what to expect to send in. I think that was kind of my closing question there.
1: Yeah. So this is actually a topic I've wanted to, to address on our YouTube channel of, uh, you know, what to expect, uh, what, what's the best way to send things in. So um, we prefer that you send in like the major components, the barrel, the receivers, the rail, um, and then we prefer to handle the gas system, uh, buy that from us because we can fit all of that kind of stuff together. And actually, you know, then I, then I don't have to be like, Hey, guess what? Your, uh, your gas block is not great. It doesn't fit well. Now you have to return that and and deal with that. Like we can solve a lot of problems and save a lot of time by just having us handle the gas system in house. Um, When it comes to lead time, it varies quite a bit depending on season and politics. Um, There's, we've been as high as 12 weeks. We've been as low as four. Uh, Right now, I think we're right in the middle at about eight. So, um, and and then that, that also, that's for like complete assemblies. Um, If it's something like barrel work you know, just a simple gas block pinning um, that has stretched out as well too, depending on what we've got going on internally. But uh, generally we try to be less than two weeks on that stuff. And so, um, I, yeah. I wish we could speed it up, but there, there are certain things like, like if you go back to what we talked about earlier with um, the proofing standards, those are king around here. There's, there, there's nothing that I can do to uh, improve lead times without sacrificing, um, without sacrificing something without sacrificing our output you can't take uh, from over here and add over here without losing something in between. Exactly. exactly and so like you know you get and this is where you know the customers that we talked about earlier it's like hey look I get it um like I, I don't want to ever send out something that I wouldn't personally use and so you know, we we try to be as upfront and honest with our lead times, our our estimated lead times. But we also don't quote lead times. We just say, hey, this is what they're, the stuff that's going out the door currently has been here for eight weeks, and so that that's usually the only way that we can really
0: kind of quote that. I will um, say, I will say, mine's been eight weeks. Bunny's has been eight week bunny operator. There's been a few people else that I've talked to and they said eight weeks. Um, I guess somebody got lucky and they said six weeks. Um, So it all just depends on what's, what's going on. So, yeah, I, I guess that's kind of why I didn't ask that question. I kind of thought that I'd made that clear, but at the same time, I get so confused with all that. So yeah. At the same time um, it's well worth the eight week wait. I'll tell you that. Like I've never, never had a better running gun. Um, So thank you.
1: And that's one thing that I can, that I can say is, You know, aside from the stuff we talked about earlier, where it's like, hey, we we missed this one little thing. I've never had somebody send back a gun because it didn't run. You know, like they've all ran and they've ran exceptionally well, and and so you know, I take some pride in that. Um, And long lead times aside, like I want to solve that problem as much as anybody. I I wish I could turn them around in two weeks. but you know sometimes that's just not realistic.
0: no, to be honest, I think I think you'd be doing a disservice at that point. You'd be you know your name is everything, especially in this industry. so um yeah, I can totally see if you did that that would that would be a I don't know, I feel like that would just kind of tank you at that point. you'd be <laughs> you'd be in the shop twenty four hours a day at that point.
1: yeah, I, there there's no way I'd be able to keep up with
0: it so yeah but no i mean Um, it's um and i mean this like genuinely from everybody that i have talked to that has had work done from you they absolutely love it when they get it so i think that i think that that speaks for itself um you've got i've got another thousand or so rounds i want to put through mine before i do another another review but at the same time you know it's solid it runs very well no matter what i no matter what i do with it i do have a question have you ever heard of the kp15 um I that's a no
1: that
0: <laughs> it's the it's the all polymer um, oh yeah yeah have, have you had any of those in the shop do you hate them uh, i'm not much of a polymer fan for receivers personally but i am not either um But if if you've ever followed, like, the What Would Stoner Do project, I think that's, like, probably the coolest thing that has kind of come out. Um, Another reason why I say this, because I own, like, seven of them. Um, But at the same time, like, if I just send one to you, can you, like, do your thoughts on it? Or is that, like, not a thing you would want to do?
1: Um. I, I don't know what I could tell you, to be honest. I mean, like what I'm going to do is look at it and go, is everything in spec? Like, are the parts in the right location? Does it do its job? Sure. Um, aside from that, I don't want to like speculate on, on anything else, Yeah, you know, because that's really all it is, is speculation. Okay. Um,
0: you know, like. I mean, I was just going to send one to you to have, so you could like, make it a machine gun in your shop or something i don't care i i just i I don't know i thought that would be i i thought that would be cool just to to give something i don't know to give you something maybe to tinker with if you ever get bored that not that you will you have eight weeks worth of work ahead of you so (laughs) yeah
1: well i mean i i'm always happy to play with it i i don't um yeah i ATF, I'm sure we'll ATF one of these days is going to be like, hey, why do you have so many machine guns? <laughs> so
0: we probably probably shouldn't make another one. But okay, SBR, I don't care. But SBR, <laughs> yeah, say, at the totally same time, cool. like, I don't know. I I personally love it. I've run it on everything, um, even with the upper that I I have um, I had you build for me. Like it was it was actually really cool to run that, and I I love that lower. I think it's awesome. It's stupid lightweight. If you ever pick one up, you're going to be like, what? Um, Uh, but yeah no that was it anyway i am going to let you go um it sounds like everybody here is exhausted i've had a long day at work so um and you have too i'm pretty sure are you working today or do you close down the shop on saturdays
1: we're we're open for walk-ins mondays and fridays and then tuesday through thursday and saturday i i'm here but the doors are locked because if i don't I'll never, that lead time will go to 12, back up to 12 weeks. So I got, I have to lock the door and just like put my head down and get work done. And so I know it's inconvenient for people. I get complaints about it, but it's like, Hey, look, if I don't close the door, like, and this is again, the shop talk thing, like people just want to come in and hang out. And that's, that's great. I love talking to
0: people, but I got to get people's stuff
1: done otherwise you should
0: just you should just hire some people to have like the front of your shop open and just like have them like serve people drinks and talk about guns all day long yeah. and then you like like when you go take lunch you go like pop in there for like half an hour and you, dude you get so many you you would rake in money yeah you
2: could have a have a, have a whiskey whiskey bar up front
0: yeah <laughs> then he's gonna be responsible for all the duis he can't sell people guns anymore <laughs> anyway you guys have a great night um and then uh i don't know do you have a way you end your youtube videos i haven't seen one but uh malar do you want to do yours
2: run suppressed, stay blessed
0: i always say shoot him in the face i don't know what you say
1: <laughs> i haven't picked up i have like four youtube videos i don't have a handle <laughs> yet it's okay just, it just Thanks for watching, guys. <laughs> there I'm we go. Thanks. A waste of time. I should probably do go with that one.
0: I know, right? <laughs> Thanks know. for watching, y'all. You know. yep. Listening, this one you listen because we don't have any visual audio podcast. <laughs> <laughs>